Recently, I sent out a LinkedIn post asking people what e-commerce brands should be focusing on over the next 12 months. Uh, I was a little surprised at the results. Uh, some of the options were PPC and social, customer experience, conversion rate optimization, retention and loyalty. Uh, it was surprising to see PPC and paid social being lower on that list or pretty much the, the, the bottom of all of those things that we asked. Uh, so David and I broke down why e-commerce brands should be focusing on some of those other aspects where paid social and paid search are not as important, although it should be, of course, part of your omni-channel e-commerce goals. Uh, it's something that is not as important as it was a couple years ago. Uh, so in this episode, we dove into that question. This episode is sponsored by Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the number one e-commerce help desk that lets you manage and respond to messages from your site, social, email, and SMS all in one platform. They have built-in automations to handle common queries like order tracking and save your team time and money. Get a free month by clicking the link in the description and elevate your customer experience today. You're listening to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertikowski, founder and CEO at Avix, a New York City-based e-commerce agency for high-growth D2C brands. As always, I'm joined by our e-commerce strategist, David Anzalone. Our goal is to provide some insight into e-commerce, technology, design, and everything in between. Let us know what you think of today's episode and make sure to visit our website, avexdesigns.com. Welcome to the Agency X Podcast. I'm your host, John Sertikowski, founder at Avix, and as always, joined by David Anzalone. How's it going, David? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm Good. I'm thriving right now. You got a new camera. No, I didn't. Um, you didn't? I just have a camera oh. that works right now. Oh, okay. Well, the quality looks better. I don't know if it's lighting or it's just working, but it's um. I, th- I it think it's better. lighting because there's a sunroof that's right above me mm. where it's the perfect combination of either the clouds or where the sun is in the sky. So, um, no, it just everything's working right now. It's the, uh, what do photographers or videographers call it? It's the, uh, oh, I forgot. There's like a special term for like the best hour of the day. For oh, the, the video. Isn't that like the golden hour? The golden hour, yeah. That's we have to do it at this time every week now. <laughs> I have no windows right now. There's some windows that way, but uh, this is all fake lighting above me. I didn't intentionally put it there. It just happens to be in this room. Uh, okay, great. So I sent out a LinkedIn poll, which apparently are like really popular, um, and they get a lot of. They get a lot of traction on LinkedIn, and but half the people are sick of them. And I, I'm kind of late to the game. I mean, I got a bunch of votes on it, but I didn't see anything astronomical. Um, and I thought my question was pretty was pretty cool. But we got some really good um, insights uh, on what e-commerce brands. Well, the actual question was directed towards e-commerce brands, asking what will be the most important what will be most important to your growth over the next 12 months and i want to say that i'm i'll share the results first and then we could kind of talk through these individually because and and this was david's idea to talk about this um because it's kind of a hot topic right now uh but it's all four of these things are important to e-commerce brands I want to say that I'm not shocked at the results, but I'm actually shocked that um, 
one of them is as low as it is. So let me kind of go through it uh, of what will most, what's most important to e-commerce brands uh, over the next 12 months. So the options were PPC and social, uh, reducing um, customer acquisition costs. Uh, the next one was conversion rate optimization, followed by loyalty and retention. And after that, customer experience. Now, PPC and social got 9% of the votes. And if I would have asked that question a few years ago, I feel like it would have been astronomically higher, especially even a year ago, uh, it would have been higher. Uh, the, the, the next ones up were customer experience followed by conversion rate optimization and then the biggest one being loyalty and retention, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. But um, I'd like to talk a little bit about why PPC is not as much of a priority over the next 12 months and in the future. And uh, I, I do believe that all of these things are important for e-commerce brands to focus on as far as creating a real omni-channel experience and uh, just a more holistic approach. All of these things are important, but I think it's, 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 I wouldn't say it's evidence because it's a LinkedIn poll, but I think it's, it's um, becoming more and more apparent that paid social, paid search is just something that you kind of have to do, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be all of what you do. Um, more and more brands are realizing that uh, retaining current customers and optimizing your site and your e email marketing uh, and just focusing on customer experience and your brand as a whole is more important than just putting out ads to win new customers. So um, plus with the new cookie and privacy and iOS updates, which we've recently touched on a bit on a previous podcast, you're spending more and more on ads and it's having less of an impact. So brands won't think twice of spending 10, 20, 100,000 or more a month or hundreds of thousands of month on ads, but they won't focus on loyalty and retention or they won't, they'll, they'll balk at a, a, a CRO campaign or AB testing and things like that, that they could optimize for their current customers. So I think that's one of the reasons why PPC doesn't have as much of a, is not ranking as high as it would uh, a couple years ago. Um, you have any thoughts on that, David? Uh, sure. And first off, do you, um, off the top of your head, do you know how many people responded to this question, like the sample I, size of it? I don't, but I could look it up. Because uh, I'd be curious about that. The second thing, before I kind of give my thoughts on it, I'd also be interested to see in the future if you ran this poll, if you... Uh, like labeled the type of brands because of course e-commerce brands mm. there's so many different kinds and if you're asking if you asked you know a brand that started maybe like a month ago specifically PPC social is probably going to be the most important thing over the next 12 months because when you're just starting and assuming you're not a brand like um, you know Metal Umbrella which uh, we recently launched you know they're all of their uh, their traffic was driven through uh, organic and owned channels on social because the uh, founders of the brand have such a huge presence. But you know, most brands don't have that luxury, and yeah. you know that's what they'd be focusing on most. But uh, you know, I think when 
looking at the activities that uh, the people who own or manage a brand, I mean, you think about like a, a founder of a, you know, of like a, a D2C brand, the, the paid aspect of it is probably, if I had to guess, unless the founder specifically had a background in this, I'm sure they're the most uninterested in being super involved with uh, PPC and social, because if you look at, you know, the list that you mentioned, it's the item on the list that has the least to do with the brand's individuality. Um, it's probably a reason why most brands choose to outsource this activity because it's, you know, not only very technical, but um, it doesn't really speak too much to like the brand's identity in a sense of growth. It's almost a, a necessary, I don't want to say necessary evil because it's not like they're inherently evil, but you know, I, I think I think if you had to ask all brands if you could make the same amount of money and not engage in it at all, I'm sure everyone would say yes because you know no one really wants to have to run ads. The more you the more you own your own channels and your customers, not only does that directly reflect on the power of your brand, which is a good benchmark of that, but you also don't have to spend as much. Um, but it's interesting that reducing customer acquisition cost, which you have as a parenthesis on that task, is uh, even factoring that in is lower because you would think a lot of brands would want to focus on lowering their customer acquisition cost overall. But yeah. I think I think it's less that PPC and social is less important to these brands and more that, you know, like loyalty and retention is just more important because I don't know if you've noticed this, but just browsing on LinkedIn, it seems lately loyalty and retention has become like a, a hot topic. I mean, it's never not a hot topic because of what it is, but I feel like, you know, how it is in like the social, these social platforms, one person says something and then everyone kind of hops in on the bandwagon of that topic. And yeah. I feel like lately loyalty retention, I, I feel like I hear it everywhere more than I did before. Um, so I think that's just what a lot of people, I think it's just becoming more important. And I, I, I'm curious if, if you think the, the pandemic might have an influence on why, why it's so high and why PPC is so low. Well, I, I think we're starting to see a shift in general. And I, it, there's also two different crowds that we're listening to. So like when it's on social platforms and, um, or when we're talking to colleagues and things like that, I do think that practitioners, marketers, agencies, consultants have been talking about loyalty and retention for quite a while as that being something that is more important than winning new customers because honestly that's what's going to lower your cost of uh, um, of your uh, acquiring new customers. But I do think that brands, when they think about loyalty, it's something that they want to achieve when they when they're trying to build a community and build loyal customers. They don't necessarily know how, and also a lot of times they'll say they want to do loyalty or create a loyalty program, and essentially they're just like plugging in loyalty lion or um, swell or something like that, and not really focusing on how it's going to benefit the customer, and that also ties into customer experience. I do think that these it, just in general facebook is extremely expensive instagram is very expensive and it's difficult you know it's really hard you do need to have an agency for it people do learn how to do it on their own but 
not only is it there the cost of the actual um, ad spend and, or, and possibly even paying someone to do it, but you have to create great content too. Um, if you're able to create amazing content and amazing copy and you have an organic reach and you're able to build that organic reach, that's going to be a much better investment because let's just say you get someone to buy your product from an ad and they come to your site, you got them, um, you got them, you had to pay for them first of all, and then you don't necessarily retain them if you're not focusing on a really good customer experience, not focusing on customer retention and loyalty, uh, and not optimizing your site for conversions. So I do think those other things are a lot more important. PPC and social do need to be, play a part in your um, in your uh, e-commerce goals and, and, and in your marketing plans. But it's it, there's more of that shift of cut, like brands are starting to focus more on saying, well, let's let's make our customers happy. Let's let's try to build a community. Especially the smaller brands are starting off with retention and loyalty as being extremely important in them from the beginning. And maybe it takes a little bit longer to, to grow, but you're able to be able to build that community and have loyal customers. Like I'd rather have a small group of loyal customers that are con consistently buying from me than always trying to acquire new customers and having to keep dumping money into it. Uh, it just, it, 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 it helps your margins. It's easier to manage. It's more fun. Uh, you're able to put out really great content and do different things and focus on building your brand rather than just rather than focusing on who who we could target better. But I think the major driver of this is going to be the changes happening on Google, happening with Apple and with Facebook and Instagram, where it's really expensive. It's harder to track. It's harder to see who's coming from those ads. It's going to, going to get even harder with all of the privacy things. Um, so I, I think brands are starting to feel that and they're starting to shift a little bit more towards other things outside of PPC and social. Um, did the pandemic play a role in that? I feel like it played a role in everything in our lives. Yeah, so probably in some capacity. Um, I do think that customers are starting to get more knowledgeable and a little bit just like where there's been ad blockers or people stopped looking at commercials or people stopped looking at larger ads on like a blog or something like that. I do think people are scrolling past their screen and they know that like every fourth post on like an Instagram is going to be an ad. And unless it's something that they're really interested in and the targeting is done really well, um, they're not going to stop scrolling. And I think that's where, you know, companies like Apple with their privacy and not being able to track people as much if brands aren't able to target customers with the right ads, then you're going to you're going to get crappy ads. And in some I've seen some people posting on Twitter saying, "Damn, I'm ready to turn off that <laughs> privacy control because the ads that Instagram are serving me are crap." So, I think people are 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 kind of, you know, they know what's going on there. Um, one thing I wish I would have put in there is influencer marketing because I do think that that would have maybe even beat out retention and loyalty or become very close but linkedin only allows me to put four things yeah so i think you know the power and i think influencer marketing especially with this is it's i, th I see it as this point is more about an awareness driver than a revenue driver um and even staying competitive because as a brand right you kind of you do have to run ads because your competitors are running ads so if someone is searching for uh, like vacuum cleaners and all of and you're a vacuum cleaner brand and you know 
your competitors, if they run ads and when people search a vacuum cleaner, of course, they're going to come up and you're not, you're, you're already, you know, it's a, it's a losing battle in, in that sense of getting new customers because uh, they're doing it. So you have to do it. I mean, to, to use a really loose uh, analogy or, or metaphor in a way to really compare this to is that... I don't know. Let's take let's take like Europe, like a thousands of years ago, where there was a lot of different kingdoms and society states, where it was, I don't know, it, it existed in some capacity, I'm sure, where you had to defend your kingdom, right, or like civilization, because if you didn't, like you didn't want to fight or you didn't care about war, but if you didn't have any defenses, then people could just come and you know uh, overrun your society or or yeah. kingdom but by having you know a defense it could be guards it could be a moat i don't know what it is you're you're at least giving yourself like and you're not dealing with it right like if you're if you if you're if you run a kingdom um and you know you may not and you're not very like bloodlust or bloodthirsty you just you you want to have people who defend the kingdom take care of that because you want to focus on growing the society so i almost see ads as like that defense of just the thing okay. you have to do to kind of keep, you know, yourself uh, competitive and existing within the space. But then you can focus on infrastructure, culture, which I would translate this metaphor to, you know, loyalty, CRO, customer experience. Those are things that the people that run a society want to focus on. The defense aspect is just a necessary evil they have to partake in. So mm. that is I, I, how... This is a very interesting analogy. I like it. It's making me want to play Civilization Four. <laughs> Right. So that's, I mean, I think the analogy works, um, convoluted as it might be, but I think that's really where it is. Cause you mentioned fun and I, you know, a lot of brand owners, they do a fun with their, their brand. It's, it's their life. So they have to enjoy yeah. it. So they want to focus on the things that are really more enjoyable. And for most people, I don't see ads being the thing a brand owner really likes doing. I, I can see, yeah. you know, customer experience, which I think we can shift into. I think that's probably what brand owners actually care more about and have a lot of fun with, which in turn does have actual positive effects on how well a brand does. One brand that I think that you just reminded me of that I think does this really well, and I, I don't know what they're doing when it comes to like Facebook ads or social media ads and things like that, um, but I do know that they are all really focused on customer experience, loyalty, and also just organic reach and they're like instagram is amazing they put out amazing content it's a brand called midday squares uh, they make like a healthier all-natural chocolate protein bar it's like plant-based 100 percent organic and they're killing it when it comes to content like their instagram is just it's like the three founders just like filming and doing fun stuff and you can't make these an ad like it's not you can't use that content for an ad. You 100% have to be organic with it. And they're not just showing like images of like how cool their product looks or what it's made of. Like their entire Instagram is like them filming like a behind the scenes video and them just like doing like photo shoots with them just like doing like funky stuff. It's really cool. Um, I definitely urge everyone to check out Midday Squares. If you're like a CPG brand or any brand in general that's looking to really step up your like organic social content 
definitely check them out. And they're very active on LinkedIn too. One of the founders is always posting on there about the business side and they treat Instagram more like just that fun side. And you can't, you could have fun with, with, I don't want to take that away. You could have fun with running ads on like Facebook and Instagram because there's some that could go viral. There's some that could be, but you know, most of the time you're going to have more interesting content on your organic um, social channels. Uh, so that, that, like you said, it's kind of that necessary thing that you have to do to obtain new customers. And, you know, no one's pulling their entire budgets, but I do see there being a bit of a shift. Uh, and that's where we are now. Imagine where we are three to five years from now and where, where it's going to be. I think that's going to be really interesting, interesting to see how it plays out. It's also because um, it's not as easy anymore. And I think that's why, no. you know, that's, you know, when I think, you know, we can start shifting into customer experience here, but right, you know, back... Uh, I want to say at the very least a year or two ago, um, it was so easy to generate traffic to your website to, uh, and you know gain revenue from there because with a lot of these platforms, you could just, I think Facebook especially, they had a very uh, hands-off approach where yeah. you could just set up an ad and their algorithm would be good enough to target the people that you would need to receive. And so you didn't have to focus on other on other things as good as you know they are the customer experience is important but when when it's not the thing that is driving growth you know you're going to naturally focus less on it because people are going to follow where the money is but you know the effectiveness the competitiveness of paid media is so much more to a point now where i think it is forcing people to focus on customer experience but forcing forcing not not so much the right right word it's it's allowing them i think to be open more to the idea that it's a um it's an important aspect because i think it's like a given it's like oh of course like customer experience is like a good thing but i think a lot of brands now having to focus on it they're seeing the importance of what it can actually do for your your brand overall yeah. i mean i'll i'll cite um i don't know any i don't know anything about this brand other than I'm assuming they sell blankets, but I think it's called like Hush Blankets, I think is the okay. name of the brand. And I always see on LinkedIn, their founder, whether that's true or not, they say that they spend a good amount of their day reading and responding to reviews on their site, on Amazon. And that helps the founder get a really good idea mm. of what people love about the brand, what the brand could do better, and that's helped inform, you know, the types of decisions they make when it comes to, it could be like policies or information you put on your site. And that's like a good example of customer experience that's not very difficult. I mean, it is time consuming. You can't, depending on how big your brand is, you can't read every product review, but doing something as simply as hearing what people say and just responding to them and making decisions in the future as a result of what they say that's yeah. like a really easy thing that anyone can do if they just you know cut out like or if they just set aside 30 minutes of their day to yeah. do that yeah i i do think i mean and that's something that you can task with task like an employee sure. at your company with aggregating that and I'm sure there's also tools where you could put all of that text sure. into and pull out like a word cloud and just kind of see what terms people are focusing on and then being able to say, well, that's where we need to shift our attention. Uh, so I think that's 
a genius idea. And someone asked me a question because I posted something else on LinkedIn today about um, just providing a better customer experience uh, across the board and, and a few other things. But someone asked me how you would audit and what KPIs you're looking at when looking at customer experience. And I think it's really important to understand that user experience is part of customer experience. It falls underneath that umbrella, right? User experience falls underneath that umbrella, but there, with user experience and with you know looking at conversion rate, you're able to look at analytics and data and things like that. When it comes to like customer experience, like looking at the bigger picture, you can't always look at the numbers. You can't always look at analytics. And to your point, you know, not all brands, that approach that you just recommended looking at the comments, perhaps that's not right for all brands. No. So like when you're doing a, like a CX audit or you're really trying to look at your brand or what we might do for one of our clients, you have to take more of a holistic and kind of unique approach and looking, understanding who the brand is, trying to understand their customers, seeing the feedback that you're getting from the customers. And, uh, you know, know that you kind of have to shift and move and you have to give people what they want. Uh, and it's not just customer service. That's part of it. It's shipping. It's returns. It's the communications. It's the content that you're putting out there. It's the, the emails that they're getting. For example, like one idea I saw recently was how some brands are doing some unique um uh, abandoned cart emails. Like instead of just saying, hey, you left this in your cart or check out now for 10%, they reworded a bit differently where it's almost like, um, hey, great news, 10% off this item. And it was the item that you looked at. So it doesn't feel like an abandoned cart email. That's a better customer experience. Like even if it's just tweaking the copy a bit. Uh, and I always use this, and this is similar to you, the um, the blanket example you just gave, but uh, Glossier, um, there, I, I believe it's them, or it might be another brand, but I'm almost certain it's them. And I'm sure other um, skincare brands and other CPG and other types of brands do this as well, but theirs stood out to me, where I, I believe they have a Slack channel where they invite some VIP customers who've been using their product for a long time or buy their product very frequently, and they ask them questions and get feedback from them. That is something that's so easy to do where you can invite some of your loyal customers or even if it's newer customers, it doesn't matter, to give you feedback or even reach out to the ones that are leaving reviews, good reviews, bad reviews, offer them some sort of discount or VIP coupon code or something like that, throw them on a Slack channel, invite them and ask them questions, send out polls there, get feedback from them, run product by them, run marketing ideas by them. They're willing to give you that feedback uh, in exchange. You know, you're, you're, you're gaining some more loyal customers and you're understanding your, your, the, how to optimize your customer experience more. So there's a lot of different things. And when it comes to customer experience, you have to be a little bit more hands-on. You can't just throw a piece of technology on it. Although there are some technologies that help with that, things like Gorgeous or um, Hero, uh, and just providing more of a, um, I wouldn't say white glove, but a more personal and one-on-one -on -one experience is super important. In the same way with like user experience, because um, there are th uh, there are some things, and you know, I think especially on like the customer service side, where you can probably measure 
customer experience to a point because let's say a big pain point for your brand internally is number of you know cs tickets like customer service tickets and technically by having a reduction of customer service tickets you can extrapolate that to mean up delivering a better either ux or cx on your website depending on what the pain point is uh overall but it's not like you can download or buy like a tool that says oh you've increased the customer or user experience of your website by 30 percent of course you know that you can measure how you know let's take like customer acquisition cost you can very easily measure the percentage that you reduced your customer acquisition cost by but you can't do the same thing for customer experience but what, what i will say is and something that's really easy that a brand could you know do right now is you know that's something that you just mentioned, John, is policies. Take a look at the policies you have relating to your products or brand and think about it in terms of how much friction these policies could create for your customers. And then think about, you know, why the the parts of the policies that do create friction, think about why they're that way and if it really needs to to be as such. So, you know, let's take a clothing brand, for example. And let's say this brand, they have a policy of, you know, uh, no returns, like no returns outright, like all sales are are final for any product, regardless if it's a brand new product, a sale product returned in its original condition, unworn. Let's say they just have a flat out no, you know, no return, no refund policy. Now, you know, is that obviously that is a policy that has a lot of potential to create friction, and you know, think about why. Now, the first why, and let's assume it's just let's assume it is a typical clothing brand let's you know let's say it's not you know that because for example if you were a really small brand making uh handmade sweaters like that obviously makes sense because each sweater is made to order and it's not like if the user if someone wants to return a sweater it's it's hard to do that because that sweater was made for that person specifically but that's let's remove that let's just say it's like a standard um clothing brand Think about, well, why aren't you taking returns? Like, well, it, uh, you know, um, you know, we lose if we get returns, like we have to give a refund and we lose money by that. Well, sure. But what is there any other reason? And if there really isn't, because let's say it's a shirt, right? The person, you know, the brand can resell that shirt, I'm sure, or they can do something with it, depending on like the condition, um, especially if it's an unworn shirt, right? Because if it's an unworn shirt, of course someone could re, the brand could like add that back into their inventory. But if it was worn, you know, I, I kind of get why they they couldn't. But usually a lot of brands will wash it or, or fabricate it or do something to it before putting it back in its queue. But if really, the, if really there's no good reason you can't have like a no refund or no return policy, then you sh- might consider, hey, no returns past... 30 days. That's more reasonable. Does does that still have the possibility of creating friction? Of course, because it's still no refunds after a certain point of time. But you're being more lenient and you're reducing the potential for friction because 30 days is a good amount of time for a person to evaluate if something fit, if they liked it. You know, that gives a user plenty of time mm-hmm. to make that decision. So that's probably something you'd want to update your policy right away with. But if you're you know, a snack or beverage brand, of course you can't take returns on a snack no. item that is or underwear. Sold. 
Or underwear, sure. I mean, there's like products that you can't. And that's why I think, again, it's important to understand what your product vertical is. But if if there is no good, but if you're looking at your policies and you're finding that with these friction points, there is no good reason you couldn't update your policies to be more customer friendly or focused, then you might want to reconsider doing that, especially if you do talk to your customer service team and you, they tell you that your number one, the number one complaint people are saying on to them on social wherever is that all oh, like i hate that this brand doesn't accept returns there's like no reason for it like i would you know if the, even if they gave me store credit that would be fine i would just buy something else because i like the brand but if you're that inflexible with your policies and there's no good reason for it people are going to pick up on that and they're going to be like well uh, like i don't understand why this brand is do is the way it is and they clearly yeah. don't have the consumer in mind no 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's all important things and that kind of goes back to like you can't just focus on one thing you have to kind of look at yeah. look at every little aspect of it and you know prioritize you know a lot of these brands might be smaller or even the brands that are are or mid-market brands you know we're finding that even the even the larger brands with the funds don't have enough um, team members to support what they're trying to do. And that's where, you know, agencies like us might come into play to help take that off them. So they can focus on some of those things about growing their brand. Um, so we touched on PPC, we touched on customer experience. Um, I think these kind of that, that does go into conversion rate optimization. Cause I do think that those customer experience is kind of part of that. Um, or no, it's not like they're, they're all honestly everything <laughs> it's all related. Everything besides PPC, like customer experience, loyalty retention, CRO, they're all focused on um, maintaining the customer relationship. I mean, yeah. CRO can be a tool that benefit benefits people brought in through paid media, but you can still you can still optimize your experience overall. So I think it has sort of a dual. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what I put personalization in the CRO bucket. Yeah, it, I feel. It yeah, especially with our CRO program, the strategy that we offer, like personalization is a large part of that. So whether you're A/B testing or whether you're personalizing content or personalizing product recommendations, like that, I see being all CRO because you know, and and then there's also user experience things that fall within CRO, and some things sometimes you might want to um, test the the customer experience in a way maybe you're testing sh shipping rates or maybe you're testing something to do with customer service or even if you're a you could even a b test um uh different types of tools like you know if you're let's say you're using a headless approach you could a b a b test two api endpoints and use two different things on your for your back office technology so like you could go really deep with cro where it does bleed into customer experience a lot uh but this is something that i i've we, we've been putting a lot more focus on over the past six months which is um uh growth x which is our cro program and really trying to be a lot more intentional with it and, and focusing on a b testing and product recommendations using tools like dynamic yield and um, um uh, OmniConvert uh, and a handful of others. Uh, so I, I do think there's some of the higher end options that are out there for brands like Dynamic Yield is not cheap. Nosto is not cheap, but it's maybe a bit more affordable. Um, and then there's others that are, are far more affordable that you can you can run A/B tests on. You can personalize content. You can um, uh, you know look at your analytics and be able to make decisions there. 
but that's also very time consuming. It's very time consuming. And a lot of brands don't have, other than running some A-B tests, a lot of brands aren't, like they don't have the internal staff to focus on just CRO. You know, it either falls on like some other employee at the company or they're using an external agency. But that's where a lot of brands are gonna see uh, like a straight up ROI. Of course, focusing on customer experience, improving that wherever you can, improving, um, you know, if you are doing paid social, paid search, which I'm assuming most brands are, um, you know, making sure that your site is well optimized because that's what's gonna actually reduce your customer acquisition cost. You know, if you're driving traffic to your site, you have to be optimized for conversions and you have to be A-B testing and that's where you're gonna figure out where your sales are coming through. So uh, I, I do think CRO is something that's gonna continuously be and, and consistently be something that is important for brands, especially after they reach a certain mark. Um, maybe it's not a high priority for brands that are just starting, uh, but as you grow and as you're trying to go to that next level and you, and where a you know point zero three increase in conversions could meet hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars that's where there there, there needs to be an investment there yeah because cro is really like a new frontier for e-commerce brands uh you know the you know like apps um you know apps in like the the b2b industry they've been using cro for for years uh because you know for those tools right where if you're a brand and i guess you know i we avex is technically a b2b company in in some respect because we work with other businesses but you know when the conversion was you know leads calls um you know quote requests uh, a lot of a lot of those companies leverage that that type of service uh, very readily and they've been doing that for years for e-commerce brands like i said it is a newer frontier because as um, you know, as the effectiveness of things like paid media decrease, there's got to be other opportunities to focus on to increase revenue. Again, people people follow the money, and if they're not getting the results they want from an avenue, they're going to seek other you know other opportunity areas. And and you know exactly correct. Whereas you know the amount of new customers that are coming in are you know like less and less through like paid channels you're going to want to make sure you're optimizing that experience not only for those users but for anyone that's coming to your site because i think a lot of uh, brand owners they understand the word conversion optimization or they've heard of it they don't really know everything that goes into it in regards to these platforms the experiences that you can run the the overall work involved and you know, I think what people do understand is the potential for these really quick wins. I mean, personalization, right? If you can identify who your customers are and you create segments for them, whether it be based on gender, spending behavior, location, and it's as simple as, hey, you know, show these products for this type of people, and it'll happen pretty much automatically as, as soon as it's set up, assuming the, the quality of your segments and the quality of the experience that you're creating is as well you run it and you don't have to manually think about how am I serving all of our different customers. You plan that out beforehand, mm -hmm. you kind of set it up and then you let it run and the experience will tailor itself to the user after doing a lot of that upfront work. And I think that's very attractive to brand owners because it's, uh, it's per de delivering personalization in a way that is in some ways automatic once the work is being 
done. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, from the conversations that we've had, especially since I've been here, I feel like more brands are aware of what CRO is. And I think that's just a very fortunate thing for the e-commerce field overall is that it's going to be more at the forefront over time. So I know you posed like, you know, if you'd see the same results two to three years from now. And to be fair, we have no idea what the the future is going to be because two or three years ago from right now, you know, actually, I think TikTok may have existed. It was probably musically at that point, but no brand would say that, yeah, we're focusing a lot on um, like musically content not at all yeah um i'm sure if you asked actually i'm sure if you i wonder if you put that on your list like hey are you focusing on tiktok depending on the brand i'm sure a lot of them would say uh yes and that does fall into influencer marketing but that's why i think conversion rate is where where it is and i think that number will probably increase over time well i i do think that and that will lead us to the the winner in this poll which was uh loyalty and retention I think that you know things like growing your organic channels, like using TikTok or um, Instagram or you know some of the other channels that are out there, uh, and creating really great content is kind of part of retention and, and loyalty, because if you're able to build a community, build a have a platform to be able to speak from. If you're creating great products, if you're providing a great customer experience, if you're optimizing your site for conversions, optimizing it for user experience, that's going to lead to retention and it's going to lead to loyalty. Um, and I guess there's different definitions of loyalty. And you have your you know raging fans who are going to sing your praise and that's the real goal, right? You want to be able to have customers who are going to sing your praises in, in word of mouth. Um, but I think looping in, and I would have been, like I said before, I would have been interested to have another one in there for influencer marketing because I don't see that being like paid social piece, paid search. I see that being something different. And I do think with platforms like Grin and some others that are out there, those are growing and people are putting more dollars into that. Like if I was going to start a brand right now, I would put the least amount into paid social and paid search. I'd probably put nothing into paid search maybe some retargeting, um, I would put most of that into influencers. Like influencers would be the highest priority right now because if you don't have any reach whatsoever, you should leverage someone else's platform. That's really where you're going to drive some some kind of PR and, and some, some traffic to your site. So I do think influencers are really important, especially in the early stages um, or using some other, someone else's platform uh, and, and then building that community. You want people to, to spread your product word of mouth, people to sign up for subscriptions. You want It's not just about giving them loyalty points. It's about creating that yeah. type of brand and focusing on branding that is going to um, make people huge fans. Like look at Apple and their products. Like people are diehard Apple fans or they're diehard you know, Android fans. Like there's, you know, they, they created their own enemies, you know, they created like kind of that good and evil uh, type of mentality between like either them or Android, them and Microsoft. So you have people who are who are like hardcore fans. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of cer- certain brands and I'm loyal to certain brands. Uh, but, you know, the, the, and even certain outside of like e-commerce brands, like 
where I might order food from on Grubhub or something. If someone screws up, and my, my wife is really uh, uh, like really strict with this. If someone screws up her order, like we can't order from them for like six months. And I'm like, sometimes it's like a place I really like. I'm like, they screwed up her order, and like now they're like blacklisted for like six months. So like little things like that matter. So you could do you know 99 things right, but that one thing that you do wrong out of a hundred could have a huge impact and you could lose a customer. So that all those things kind of play together, customer experience, optimizing for conversions, user experience, you know, that's going to lead to loyalty. That's going to lead to retention. Um, email marketing, bringing people back to your site, SMS, really big, really huge, needs to be on your list of things. And I, I think to me, out of all those things, I do think that PPC and um, paid social uh, just as like the least fun and is on the bottom. But I could be wrong, and I'm sure brands are still making millions of dollars oh, yeah. off of those campaigns. Of course they are. Um, but I just don't see it being like the only thing in your toolbox where as a couple years ago, you could launch a dropshipping company or like any brand and just put a ton of um, money towards Facebook and you could be killing it where I don't think you you could do that as much now. Yeah, and and the, what I will contribute to that, because I feel like you, the general benefit of loyalty and retention, I feel like you've covered the, the general, you know, uh, benefits of why to focus on it. But the other really powerful thing about having uh, a lot of brand loyalty and affinity is where purchases are going to be less practical and more emotional and there are certain reasons why that's beneficial especially financially so you ever heard of a brand called bala bala no i don't think so so they they started so they're basically these like weighted bracelets um that you know uh people you know they they're very like aesthetically pleasing and that's like the huge value prop of like their their branding okay. is that it's basically like it's it's not really like fitness it's like it's not really fitness equipment but they have like one pound two pound weighted bracelets they have like this big ring that's like the bala ring um okay and again the whole point is it's uh it's like fitness equipment that you'll want to display out because it's very aesthetically pleasing now the cost of these things, right, is if I, I believe, right, and I could be I could be wrong about literally because I'm not looking at the prices right now, but if you wanted a pair of one pound bracelets, yeah, and again they're just one pound, I think that's like fifty dollars. You're right. I just looked it up. We and have computers in front of us. We can look things up is, on the podcast. Is it, is it fifty dollars? Um, Forty nine dollars. Is it per bracelet or is it for two bracelets? Um, let's see. Bandier has it on their site right now, and it is $49, Bala one pound weight. It looks like it's two. They're okay. showing a picture. Oh, um, sold as a set. Yes, there's okay. two. So as someone who's, huge, who's really big into fitness, who has spent a lot of money on fitness equipment, I already know that I'm not the, the demographic for this whatsoever. So, but... $50 for like one pound for like two, one pound bracelets you can honestly you can go to like like mo uh like models and you can buy like one pound like wrist wraps for mm. probably like 15 bucks yeah. there well, the, the two pound one is $65 which again is is 
a lot and they've you know they have they they're huge they have a huge following their content is very aesthetically pleasing they have like a really great mission related to yeah. um like working out for your you know yourself and for any body type and they even have like these special workouts that use this equipment like they have a great community they're they're a perfect example of a brand that's really built up loyalty and a following through their content and mission but they, they, I once, I saw this like new product they have, and this is where I'm getting to the point of what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a 15 pound bar that you can do, you know, it's like a, it's, it's the equivalent to like an easy bar. Yeah. Um, but it's like, uh, but it's 15 pounds. It costs over a hundred dollars for a 15 pound bar that you can't really add anything else to. I mean, maybe they have like weight plates for it. I, I don't remember, but that's a lot of money for what's basically a 15 pound bar. The easy bar yeah. that I have at home cost me 30 bucks. Yeah. It's an easy bar shape. And it is, you, yeah. But it's just the bar. You can't put plates on no, the No, you can't put anything on it. For a hundred bucks, that's, that's a lot again. The functional, they look cool. The fu they yes, look really the, cool. The functional utility of these products for its value is awful. Like, <laughs> if you get what I mean. Like, the price you're paying for the utility you're getting out of it is is terrible but the people that love bala and the people that are buying it they're not thinking practically like that because if i went into aliexpress and i could you could find these bracelets these knockoffs of these bracelets yeah. for like like five dollars because their brand is pretty big and has a huge following the, any new product they make and i think this bar is like a newer product of theirs people probably buy it because they're like oh I, I love bala it's part of my aesthetic i love like the brand and yeah. their set and it's part of their identity i mean i you know i don't mean to put this i don't mean to like trash talk this brand because i follow them on social and i like their brand as a brand maybe not their products but i could have easily said apple because everyone knows apple's prices are not well reflected on the quality of their products in a utility yeah. sense because thinking about functionality and utility, their the you know the the dollar per I guess usefulness is a lot less than getting a PC. In the same way that buying traditional fitness equipment versus Bala, you're getting more utility for a um, a better price. Because I bought a 45 pound uh, barbell with 300 pounds worth of different plates for 300 bucks, or yeah. I could spend that same amount to get three 15 pound bars and that's just who i yeah. am as a person but if your brand is big enough and you have a big enough following you don't you don't always think by the practicality of this and you do see this a lot with like streetwear where the price you know the price of clothing let's be real is a lot more than it probably needs to be yeah and looking at this like looking at their instagram and their branding and their product design it's all about like a lifestyle yeah. it's all about and I, I their consumer is not the seasoned professional no. when it, like a seasoned lifter or like someone because like you're you're not going to get much out of a 15 pound bar no. like you're going to get tired with that real soon <laughs> um you know whether you're male or female like you're you're going to want it like so I, I think that's this is something like I, it's a unique idea because it's looping in almost like fashion and lifestyle yeah. into like a fitness product. But like also comparing it to like a Peloton or something like Pelotons are not cheap. They're super. But the quality is amazing and it's the technology is amazing. And that's to me is different to me. This seems I don't 
does this brand have, and I, I don't know why we, we're bashing on Bala. I mean, it just, you know, I'm not it's, bashing it's, on it. I'm just stating, I kinda like, am, I mean, I'm just like, stating like a pure fact about um, that. Yeah, it's a pure fact. Like, I don't see that, ha like, do they have longevity? Because like, yeah, that's a cool lifestyle brand, but like you're, you know, first of all, you buy that bar once, they have to keep making new products. Yes. So I do think that, you know, they have to eventually come up with an innovative product that's going to be different from a you know fitness perspective because like these people are going to get tired of those things really quickly from on the fitness side of it and when i say tired i mean you're going to you know max out its capabilities really quickly like they're a great brand for acquisition but if you think about retention there's almost like a ceiling that they're going to eventually hit unless they keep making more things yeah but it's cool i like their branding i like their product the look of the product it looks cool um but I hear you. It seems to be yeah. really high priced. The, the for more something. that you can use emotion, the more that people are buying your brand based off emotion and and like affinity, just it's it just shows the overall strong the strength of your brand. Whether you're doing this for our financial benefit or not, it's well everyone's launching a business for that. But like whether your prices are the way they are, out of you know the intention behind them i'll just keep using apple from now on and i'm pretty much done with this this point but i, I apple's like the perfect really example of this no one's buying apple because it is the functionally superior product in in personal computing they buy it because i mean the same could be said for the iphone although i will say the iphone is probably the best smartphone that exists because of how easy it is to use which is a utility mm -hmm. um you know people buy off emotion and if your brand is strong enough and you're building up a loyal following people are going to be more willing to give you money for your brand and they're not going to think about your competitors as much because the the less people care about your your products compared to others the stronger your brand is because no one the new iphone that comes out no one evaluates oh the i the new iphone is this price i wonder how expensive the pixel is and does it have better features most iphone users don't care about that they're no, never they going to make that comparison product, yeah. they're just going to get the new iphone because it's iPhone, so. Yeah. Well, that's also creating, you know, they created, you know, um, they align themselves with their products with what people aspire to be, you know, whether it's, um, you know, a creator or it's the anti this or the anti that. So there's, you know, Apple has done a great job with that. It's hard to compare a lot of brands to, to, to Apple, but you know, great, great use case there. But I think we touched on pretty much all of these aspects just to kind of recap, um, more and more brands focusing on customer experience, CRO conversion rate optimization, most importantly, loyalty and retention. You're going to get, that's going to pay dividends for much longer. Yep. Whereas PPC paid social, totally still part of what you should be doing not saying you shouldn't be but it seems to be less and less of a higher priority uh for certain brands depending on their level so yeah. i'm going to send out some, some uh, maybe another poll or two to get some insights on influencer marketing um and maybe we'll collaborate on one david if you have yeah some i'd like ideas. to do another one of these because these are these are fun because we're talking not just based on our opinion but like our yeah. reactions to things real people are actually saying so for sure um, for sure yeah all right till next time um got some guests coming on soon i believe um gerard uh from postscript is coming on in another week or two and um we have a few other guests i think from site um and uh thanks for joining us 
Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.